0: Fire Radio. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the National Fire Radio podcast. As 2023 gets going, we're making some changes. And so real quick, before we launch into the daily episode, I just want to hit on a couple things. If you like what you're hearing, we appreciate the support. Please give us a five-star rating on the audio players. It helps promote the podcast and get its popularity up. And I certainly appreciate all all the effort that our community brings to the table in supporting us in the mission of National Fire Radio. Give us that five-star review. Subscribe, like the page, send us your comments. And this is the fun part about what we're doing this year. We created a new email address for you all to send us your thoughts, ideas, and comments or questions or concerns or hate or love or anything else in between, you can email us at podcast at nationalfireradio.com. What that email address will do is it will come as a direct line of source for information regarding the podcast. And so if you have anything that you want to hit us up about the podcast sponsorship opportunities, ad reads, to questions, thoughts, and ideas. We're going to be rolling out a question and answer episode once a week, and it's going to be directly from the emails that are sent in to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. So take advantage of that. Send us your thoughts and ideas and questions, and we'd love to answer them on the air. And lastly, I just got to mention our website, nationalfireradio.com is where you can get any of the swag that we're putting out all of the merchandise that we sell goes right back to supporting the podcast and the National Fire Radio brand. We are super excited for 2023. We have a lot coming out, and I can't wait to share it with you all. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Now, the podcast. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew have been manufacturing helmet fronts, aluminum helmet fronts, since 2017. Over 200,000 plus shields have been manufactured by Taylor and his crew. Custom helmet fronts shipped within 24 to 48 hours. Whether it's one piece to a 500 piece department order, they'll get them out under two days. They're doing incredible work, 100% customizable product. Their product is top shelf. Not only are they doing aluminum helmet fronts, they're doing gas cards, playing cards, keychains, medical cards, and charts. Pump charts, street signs, custom signs, banquet awards, you name it, they're doing it. Go to taylorstins.com. And if you do order, use this promo code NFR Sent Me, all one word, NFR Sent Me. You'll get 15% off at checkout. That's because we have a strong relationship and friendship with Taylor from Taylor's Tins. They've been a longtime supporter of the National Fire Radio platform, and I appreciate their support and friendship. Without further ado, the daily episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast today. Another great episode ahead here. Today, I have Dave Russell, the president and principal owner of Fire and Safety Services out of South Plainfield, New Jersey. They are the Pierce dealer and distributor for New Jersey. Pierce Fire Apparatus, as you know, with National Fire Radio, we do a tremendous amount of apparatus content on our social media pages we're doing podcast episodes based solely around fire apparatus builds design and construction theory and everything else in between because it's important custom fire apparatus if you have the luxury of being able to afford custom fire apparatus and put them within your department and operate on them then it's important that we build them to support the mission on the street so today absolute honor to have Dave Russell with me Dave thanks for joining me buddy
1: Oh, thank you. It's a great, uh, great to be on. A long-time listener, first-time caller.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for that. I truly was. I, I will say this before we hop in any conversation. I've gotten to know you, Dave, over the last few years. Uh, I've known you for quite a while, but over the last few years through National Fire Radio and um, and just the the work we do with your dealership, you've always had an open door for us to come down and look around, shoot content there, take pictures, share tips, tricks, and hacks. Uh, You guys have incredible people that work for you down there that are just, you know, top shelf, best in the business, I think. Um, And you guys just have a really busy dealer and distributorship there. And it offers a lot of opportunity for guys like me who want to share the message and get that message out to the end user. Um, You have the playground that I enjoy going to. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's every every little boy wants to grow up to be a fireman. I get to play with fire trucks all day
0: long. It is very cool, and I'm very jealous of that. Um, but I I will say this in regards to our relationship: I value you as a sounding board. Um, you and I have become friends. Um, and, and brothers, and I, I truly appreciate your time. You're a very busy guy. You have a lot going on, and yet anytime I call, text, or stop in unannounced, you always give me time, and uh, for that I'm grateful, and I, I also will say this too, that you've given me some great advice and, um, and some really good feedback, and you are dialed into podcasts and into the culture of the fire service because it is your industry, and... You very much are in tune with what's going on throughout the fire service.
1: Well, I I, I try to stay informed because that's the best way I can serve my customer, you know, the end user, as well as, you know, we have a, in, in my opinion, we have a fiduciary responsibility to the towns that we are selling to, to give them the product they need. So. Uh, and not not over overdo what they're getting. So we try and work very hard to to do that. I appreciate the very kind words. I mean, you've been a great uh, friend to, to to fire and safety and to Pierce. Uh, I remember you, <laughs> you guys coming down here, and, uh, running through my shop, taking pictures of you know of everything and yeah. you know, hanging out hanging out in the back of the tiller trucks in the yard. And, yeah. Uh, so you know it, it it it's a mutual relationship, and uh, we can't do what we do without. You know, making sure that we're working for and with everybody out there. There's there's enough learning out there for everybody to to get involved in.
0: I agree with you, and I I think this is where for me it's funny because a lot of people are always like, oh, you do a lot of Pierce content, you do this, you do that, and I go, yeah, I do a lot of content on anybody that's willing to open their doors and allow us to be a part, right?
1: Because, hey, in my opinion, you don't do enough Pierce content, but that's you know, <laughs> that's my personal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's you know what? Of course you're going to say that. Of course. Well, I do need, I haven't been down to the shop in a couple months. So Dave, I got to, I got to stop back down for sure. And we need to get back out to the factory too. And and that is something to be said too. You were instrumental. Uh, you were a huge part of getting us very early on in, in national fire radio days, talking four years ago, opening the factory. Been that long. Yeah, I, I believe it has three to four. years. I think it was four years ago.
1: Yes. Probably
0: close to. Yep. Yeah. Opening the doors. For us, and an opportunity to see the Pierce pro- you know, the Pierce product firsthand coming off the floor, and roaming the factory and shooting content there for three days, and without you, um, d- we wouldn't have had that opportunity. And so I'm forever grateful for that as well. And and that's why though there's a special spot because of the friendships we develop. But it's all about just sharing the knowledge, the experience, and and what we get to see as National Fire Radio. And if it tends to tick towards Pierce it's because more opportunities have opened up through them as a manufacturer, through you as a dealer and our friendship and so on. But we don't focus on one. I mean, we're we're impartial across the board because it really is bigger and more important for us to share the message and not just a a typical brand. I mean, this is, this is bettering. Yeah, go ahead, please.
1: Yeah. Quite, quite honestly. I mean, I mean, everybody makes a good product and there are things I see on your your on your hacks uh, from other brands so i'm like wow maybe we maybe i need to talk to you know see if we can get that on a truck because that would be really useful for this particular customer or this particular application and you know I, it's it, imitation is a sincerest form form of flattery yeah uh, so you know i'm not above you know looking at what other people are doing and say hey that's a great idea let's see if we can adopt it to to you know, our product and suit our customer needs.
0: And I love that because what what you hit on right there is very important to me, right? It, it, one, it's being impartial, but two, it's bettering your customer. Like what, what you're doing is looking at opportunities. We're, we have a platform where we figured out that we want to be able to share the tips, tricks, and hacks of apparatus build, and that comes through theory, to design, to operation, right? And sometimes sometimes the, the thought or, or something new that, that gets built into a fire apparatus is on paper sounds good and then you put it out in the field and it just doesn't work as well, right? Right so, right, so the nice thing is is that we have a platform where people can communicate with one another across the country about something they see on our channel, they try it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work, but there's we're showing different ways of doing things. And that's what's powerful for me is that watching dealers, distributors, manufacturers look at our content and realize that there's a whole nother world outside of their own product and brand that they might be able to incorporate into their own line.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and we've done that. I mean, we've, we've seen, you know, some things that, you know, out at FDIC or other shows that are out there and, you know, say, Hey, you know, that's a, that's a good idea. Uh, One of my favorite parts of, of walking around or, or being at FDIC is not only Catching up with the customers and catching up with the the industry folk uh, is to walk around and see what else is out there. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm usually not invited into too many of our competitors' booths, <laughs> but uh, you know, I do. I you know, from a distance, I can pick out you know a couple things, or you know, I know enough people in there where I can ask a question and kind of you know they'll let me take a peek at something. I'm not there to to reverse engineer anything. I'm just there for my own curiosity. I mean, I rode for for 12 years back in the, in the nineties and early two thousands. And yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, I've been around the fire industry for my whole life. So it's something that's in the blood and, you know, anything that we can do to make, make the world better for the fire service is what it's about. And that's why I love about, you know, what you guys are doing at national fire radio and what people like Corley Moore are doing with the sure. weekly scrap and, and stuff like that. I think, I really think that and the microconferences are the two best things that came out of COVID. Is you're really you're really going to see those things blow up and really you know take over you know the, the the training and the educational process.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's a super unique time right now where you know direct to consumer is becoming more and more the game, and and the distribution models that were always in between were necessary because that's the only way you could get the information out. And now, more so than ever, direct to consumer is becoming a much more bigger part of delivering content information and really, you know, educating the fire service about what's out there. and And so I think you're hundred percent right. and and I've talked to, about all this at length. and I know you and I've rapped about all this stuff too a couple times, but you know, there is tremendous potential and 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 potential in a market that um you know, to capitalize on. and I think, that goes to what you were talking about, too. When, when you're at shows and you're looking at fire apparatus, you're looking at maybe the competitor's models or, or design features that were done on a, on a competitor's brand, maybe not so much from the factory, but the way the customer demanded the build to be done. And that gets your creative juices flowing, too. But there's also plenty of business in the world for everybody, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that relationships matter. I'm a firm oh, believer that, sure. you know, mutual respect for brands and companies, there's plenty of room for all of them. And if you have a good product, people will buy your product and there's always going to be competition. But competition is very healthy because competition promotes growth.
1: Definitely, definitely. I, I agree 100 percent. I mean, uh, you know, you look at New Jersey, there's typically a hundred Forty, hundred and fifty fire trucks this year. It's a little bit uh larger because of what I'm calling the truck inflation with the lead times. Yeah. Uh but you have a set number of trucks sold in New Jersey and uh while we don't have an easy way of tracking it because there's no fire truck registration designation, uh everything's usually MG or CG plates. Right. Uh there they're, they're oh there's ways of kind of figuring it out. Um, so there's there's a set market and you know if to have to sell all those trucks that would be insane um you know uh, i i get along with uh the other dealers in this state sure. for the most part you know sometimes we agree on things sometimes we don't but <laughs> there, 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 right. there's there's en- there's there's enough work for all of us and there's enough room and quite honestly the, the the other manufacturers make good product yes um right it's it's a lot of it is is what is it designed for is it designed for to be a twenty twenty five year truck is it designed you know, to really give you that hardcore 10 to 12-year lifetime or the 15 to 17-year lifetime. Uh, and that's really, you know, the main differences, in my opinion, between the trucks is is, is how is it designed for its lifetime. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I Interesting about you, and this is what I really like, is that this isn't like a, a second life for you. Like, this is, you grew up in this. I mean, you're, right? I mean, your father was heavily entrenched in the industry, and then you came in uh, with your father, right? And and here you are pushing forward a massive, growing dealership. And talk to me about your roots in it, and and like kind of like your your beginnings of what it what custom fire apparatus market looked like to where it kind of trended and where we are today.
1: Well, I got my my involvement in the fire service when. Uh, when I was a, a toddler, my dad joined, uh, the Metuchen fire department, uh, all volunteer house in, uh, about when I was nine months old. Yeah. So while, while it was never that we, we hung out all the time at the firehouse, it was, you know, we would go down when he had truck check, uh, hang out at the firehouse, mm-hmm. put on the old leather helmets and, uh, the hip boots and, wow. you know, walk around with their head tipping over cause they were the old real leather helmets for, you know, you would, you would, you know, fall over if you didn't have a strong neck. Um, you know, those were the days with, you know, they had a 54 uh, Mac aerial with open top. They had a couple of 70 Mac CFs uh, in the station and I things love it. like that. And, you know, it, th- those were special times because, I mean, that was, it was not just the fire department, but it was family. So uh, when I joined the fire department in 90, I really didn't have a, I didn't, I pined to join the fire department. Um, My goal uh, was to be more like my grandfather, who was an attorney.
0: Got it. Um,
1: uh, I actually joined the fire department, then went to law school. Uh, (laughs) And then after a few years, I realized uh, the the way my grandfather practiced law and the way the law was being practiced uh, in in this day and age wasn't the same way. Got it. Um, So my dad was, uh, the company was growing. Dad needed some uh, more people on the administrative level. And I said, well, if you're serious uh, about this, you know, I'll, I'll move over because the law isn't what I want to do anymore. And yeah. uh, So that's what I did. And um, we started doing that. Um, He took over the the dealership from Walt Runyon who founded it in 1964. Uh, He took it over in 82. I made my first, first trip to the Pierce as a high school sophomore Wow. Uh, Okay. When, when they were starting to, everything was handwritten back then. So, uh, they, they started to computerize it and that had been my first job when dad took over was to take the, the old handwritten specs and kind of break them into little segments on the, our home, our brand new home computer back in 1983. Wow. And, uh, Pierce is Apple, like, Apple 2E,
0: it, it Apple? Apple II? Apple IIc. C?
1: It was it was, a, it was an Epson computer using Peachware Peachware software.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what it, what that even is. Like that's my exposure to it at that age. But anyway, that's funny, Let's man. Let's
1: put it this way: I had to learn how to. I, he had me take a, a basic and MS DOS class. Oh just my god like To learn how to yeah. type into some of these things. Uh, so, you know, I went out there and, you know, we, we kind of you know, explained how we did it, why we did it. And, you know, Pierce came out with their own system about four years later. Yeah. and But uh, Pierce, know, a, Pierce as a, Pierce as a
0: manufacturer at that time in the early eighties, early and mid eighties was a small mom and pop manufacturer, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it, it was, it was a small, small organization. Uh, everybody was chasing E1 back then. Yeah. Uh, E1, E1 was, a uh, the Be all. That's who everybody aspired to be. Got it. Um, We uh, at that at that point, Pierce had just started doing their own cabs back in the late 70s. 79 was the introduction of the original Arrow cab, uh, followed by the Dash and Lance cabs in the early 80s. Sure. And uh, that's when Pierce really started to take off from the, you know, 100, 200 truck level to like the 400 truck level. Okay. And, uh, you know, from there, it kind of, you know, just blew up. Um, Doug Ogilvie took over uh, from the original owners uh, at Pierce, and he really just had this great growth mindset. Yeah. uh, He took it, and he he knew everybody. I mean, if if, – I recognize the the name.
0: I mean, I don't know if I – I don't – is he still with – the company Uh, today
1: mr ogilvy uh passed away okay a handful of years ago okay um shortly after shortly before shortly after pierce's 100th anniversary okay
0: got it uh, got it
1: so about 10 years ago now Mm. um but he was able to um you know take that company to that next level he had a vision and he brought in the right people to, to execute it and uh you know i remember the day that we announced that we had more sales on that year than than e1 and it was like holy cow you know what do we do now and you know pierce has worked very hard to maintain the uh you know the the uh you know introduction of new products introduction of new features and uh really try and focus on really keeping that 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 uh you know mindset of originality and and yeah. fire service in mind.
0: I, I mean, I think about it. I mean, we're only talking 40 years ago. Like yep. when, when you put that in perspective, right? Like it's not a long time because I know like for me, I mean, I'm I'm going to be 46 in two weeks and I'm like, I still feel like I'm 25 except for like Saturday and Sunday mornings. But I, I will say this like 40 years is not a very long time in the, the amount of, technology change within that time from you learning and coding DOS and working on a you know an offshoot first generation computer to where we are today and from where fire apparatus were I mean my first exposure to Pierce was an 87 uh first four-door chassis that I ever rode in it was an 87 Pierce Arrow and um and that's when my department went from Seagrave to Pierce and uh and when it trended that way Um, and so on. And so that was my first exposure. And I, I, I remember like Pierce at the time, the drawings were a simple, like one blueprint drawing the customer got the spec was, you know, 30 pages, you know what I mean? Like it it was nothing, nothing like it is today. And that's fueled by technology and vision. And, uh, and I just have to think for you growing up in a dealer and distributorship with your father and seeing, the early days of pierce and getting in really at the ground level with them i think to where you are today i mean that's got to be when you sit back and think about it just almost an overwhelming conversation to have
1: actually you're making me feel real old there, <laughs> me, so. well,
0: that's my so shot like, back at you so bad. yeah that's good i'm going to keep poking you a little bit more today but no yeah. we
1: just we, we just had our pierce uh, annual sales meeting uh literally just got back yesterday from it uh, and we were recognized for our 45th year uh, with Pierce uh, as a Pierce dealer. Um, I haven't been there the entire time. uh, No, I get it. For, for, for a lot of it. Um, But it, it it is amazing. And you know, the neat thing, uh, and I'm sure this is the way with other organizations is, you know, I was counting the room, you know, we were, we had a you know, principals gathering, and I was counting in the room how many second and third generation owners like myself that's cool uh, were involved. Yeah. Where, you know, we all grew up in this industry. We all started coming out when we were kids in and college. And uh, we've all done everything from, you know, sweeping the floors in our shops when, when we were first starting out to, to where we are now. And, uh, you know, just seeing the growth of the, of the industry um, and seeing some of the growth of some of the other, you know, companies that are out there, you know. The, the consolidation that became, you know, the Rosenbauer Group, um, you know, and seeing some of the other things, and you know, the cycles that were we go through between sure. uh, the industry, it's it, it, it's neat to neat to have been a part of it you know, it's always wondering where it's going to go next.
0: I love, I mean, I love that second generation, third generation conversation because that was my family business too, right? I had a family business outside of doing National Fire Radio and a firehouse and everything else, family business. And, and you know, it was my father's company and he started it and so on. And since then we sold as a second generation company, We we sold, we were going into second generation ownership and we ended up selling to a third party. But I think it's important because like when I came up through the company, I, I had every position within. I, I came in at eight years old and was a stock boy, uh, packed the trucks, packed boxes, pushed a broom, and you work your way up. And I wore every hat in that company up until the day that I was running the daily operations of the business. And I, for, and I guess where I'm going with this conversation, Dave, is like two things. One, how's the job trending today, young or old, right? And two, with the multi-generational people the foundation are there a lot of is there a lot of longevity still in this job if there's young people coming in are we seeing I know the older you know a lot of the salesmen are older if you will at least the ones that I know and they've been doing this a long time and I look at like what the next generation looks like and how technology in that new generation plays a role versus the way things have always been done
1: it it it, uh, you know it's it's the same as it always has been. I'll, I'll say it that way. Mm. When I, when I first got in, you know, my dad had a lot of guys who I thought were old as hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. They're, now, now they're my age or a little bit older. Um, but they, uh, they, you know, they were the ground floor. Yeah. Uh, and then we brought in younger guys and we're at the point now where we have some guys aging out on the sales side. Mm-hmm uh and we're bringing in younger guys and you know we're not looking to uh you know it, so it it changes and and at, you know at the sales meeting when they asked people to stand up who were at their first peer sales meeting you know, you had 75 people stand up
0: Yeah, uh, good
1: so it, it industry wide it, it's cyclical um you know we were we were solid for you know at one point I you know think we had we, did, we hadn't hired on a new sales rep in, you know, seven, 10 years. Uh, I, I, was, I was blessed with the experience I had. And then I didn't have a lot of turnover. I didn't have to, to you know, worry about that but now we're at the point where we have guys who are, you know, looking on to what's next in life. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, they have grandkids now. And sure. They wanna spend time with that. And, and, I, and I'm curious to technicians.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm curious too, though, is, you know, as guys remove themselves from this fire service, as time ticks on, you start to wonder like, you know, th- things change, like everything. And, and technology's changing, um, design ideas, fireground tactics, considerations, operational things, getting some younger blood in there to help with the builds, I think is, is super important, especially in a day like today where information is changing so rapidly and the job is changing, you know? And I, I think that that's important too, that we, that there's a better understanding of that and that, you know, we need to do and make sure, and this isn't just in your industry and, and I'm just assuming across the board, this, it's important to be able to, to bridge that gap and bring in some youth to represent today's fire service.
1: It, 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 it definitely is. And it, it, it also gives a different perspective. I mean, you yeah. think about the kids now who are coming into the business, they've never not had a smartphone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: I mean, they, you say a Motorola clamshell and they have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you talk a tax star and they, they think it's like a independence front suspension. Yeah. Um, so they they have more knowledge at their fingertips than we had in the first 15 years we were in this industry. And the, the, the industry has really kind of worked towards adopting to that. I mean, a, a lot of businesses, a lot of industries are tend to have been slow to adopting. I mean, the fire service has the old accent, 200 years of tradition unhampered by progress, right? That, that, to a certain extent, that's true, but to a certain extent, that is that is a fallacy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, cer- certain parts of our our world are never going to change. I mean, the the uh, the concept of a water pump hasn't changed since Roman times. Sure, uh, but the technology of how to address it, how to look at it, how to feel it, how to see it, that has changed. Sure, you, know, you can you can get your your flow on your you know showing up on your nozzle now, uh, from certain manufacturers. You have you know flow controls. You have all these neat things that you know make it more efficient for the end user. But the concepts are still the same as they've always been. And it's just a matter of adopting technology to help us do what we need to do better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you then, I mean, obviously everything trucks, I mean, this is the world you live in. We're dealing with some issues today, you know, and it's not just you, it's, it's manufacturers across the board, a lot of it has to do with supply chain. At least that's what everybody's told. But I, I wonder if people actually understand what that means and, and part of what where in the supply chain or what the issues are that are facing the long lead times now in Apparatus. And what that's doing is the trickle-down effect, right? As as lead times get pushed out for products to help build and support the builds of these trucks, we're now looking at an industry that has changed from a 14-month to a 24-month to a 30 month to a 36 month delivery if you will for custom fire apparatus. So that has got to be presenting an incredible set of challenges for you and the Pierce Pierce brand.
1: Yeah, it's, it's presenting challenges for everybody. Um, yeah, especially with uh, the uh, custom fire apparatus industry for a lot of the products that we're uh, that we're in need of, we're competing against the Freightliners, the Peterbilts, uh, the Kenworths, the International so we're looking at the same axles. We're looking at the same wiring harnesses. So the fact that those industries are backlogged and means our industry is backlogged. Sure. Um, and it's not necessarily that they can't build it. They, in a lot of instances, they can't get the parts from their second tier or third tier supplier either because of chip shortages, which is still, you know, not as big of a factor, but it's still a factor. Or mm-hmm. they can't get wiring harnesses or Uh, axle components, or they're missing the manpower. Uh, One thing that COVID did is it drove a lot of the smaller organizations that supplied a lot of subcomponent parts. It drove them out of business or a lot of people decided they were done and they were retiring. Um, So a lot of people that used to supply us, uh, supply the manufacturers aren't there anymore. So uh, it's coming up with alternative solutions. It's coming up with alternative plans. Uh, some of it is, you know, the foreign markets, um, you know, the, the demand for uh, precious metals yeah. is, has went through the roof. That's right. The situation in Ukraine, you know, Ukraine, you know, it's a breadbasket for, for uh, certain minerals and, and, and valuable precious metals. Um, so, you know, there's a whole uncertainty there. So people are hoarding uh what they have because they don't want to give it up um so there's all sorts of factors that are doing it and it's like peeling an onion um through femsa um we've been working our government affairs committee has been working uh with FEMA, the fire apparatus manufacturers association uh to kind of help uh, identify some of these uh, these points of issues and and kind of come up with solutions that we can you know try and help uh ease some of these these pain points
0: yeah, and so you bring up a very good topic because I wanted, I wanted to get to that FEMSA, right? The Fire and Emergency uh, Manufacturers and Service Association. You're the president. You're the president of the uh, board of directors for that organization. Um, and I think it, the importance of that, because when you bring that up and you talk about your government affairs committee, it allows for manufacturers and people embedded in the, in the industry to work together as a greater collective whole to find solutions to help each other out, right? Because that's where collaborations and relationships matter most, right? Is, you know, we all have our own businesses and we all are competitive and we all want a bigger piece of the pie, if you will, but there are bigger issues at hand that requires a united front. Am I wrong on that?
1: No, no, that's a, that's a big part of it. And a big part of it is to advocate for the fire service. Um, you know, we go down every year uh, during the CFSI uh, Congressional Fire Service Institute right. uh, seminars, and we go down. We walk the halls of uh, of the Senate and the House, talking to legislators and and staff about the importance of continuing funding uh, AFG Safer Grants, uh, the National Fire Academy, uh, USAR teams. Um, and we, you know, we work uh, with a joint message with the international association of firefighters, the, uh, the Crew chiefs association, all those groups, we, we, we want to make sure that we approach everything with one voice, uh, as disparate as our interests are, yeah. um, you know, we are focused on making the fire service better for everybody. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the it's really, you know, everybody comes home, it, really means a lot. And a lot of the organizations in the fire service that produce products were founded by people who were firefighters or saw a need in the fire service. And, you know, maybe they've grown in the current leadership you know, doesn't have that direct link uh, like they used to, or they've been, you know, bought up by conglomerations and, you know, you know, some of that, that, that intimacy isn't there, but we all pretty much for the most part started, the same way because we saw a need in the industry and we wanted to make the industry better. And that's what we're still all trying to do. And that's one of the things that, that, you know, FEMSA is is very big on. It's not only representing the, the, you know, the, the industries that support the fire service, but it's making sure that we're, we're, we're supporting the fire service itself and making sure that we're trying to, you know, uh, keep them you know on the front front burner and in front of everybody's mind when it yeah. comes to the need for for supporting it and su- and funding it.
0: What what I'm what I'm curious about Dave is as you sit in charge of this organization, right? I mean, you're the you're the main man here and I look at so many organizations that professionally over the years I've been involved with <laughs> and uh, I will say on this podcast you have been harping on me to join and yeah, so I still haven't done it, though. I, It's coming. I promise you, it, <laughs> this will this will be my uh, this will be my uh, uh, commitment to you that it will be done. Uh, I guess it will be done tonight. I will. I,
1: I just I just hope that makes the edits before before you
0: it, end this thing. It will cut this out now. <laughs> I, I think it's important. But here's my thing with groups. And this is this is a conversation that um, I want to explore with you a little bit. You have uh, you have quite a job at hand when you run these organizations. I find so many of these organizations are stuck in the ways of yesterday, meaning it's an old gentleman's club. It's the same nonsense that goes on at these meetings, and there's no real push or understanding from those members within that we need to pivot and look at different opportunities of how we communicate and grow the collaboration efforts of our group. And I've sat on so many boards and so many groups and they just, they just don't produce and they don't see uh, they're very slow to react and they're very slow to change for you sitting in charge of this group. Now as the president, I mean, you are their spokesman. What, how important is that, that you pivot and look at ways to deliver a, a return, a return for your members and a return for the fire service?
1: it's essential uh, for what we do and that's actually a conversation that uh, we have every every board meeting uh, about how are we you know becoming the best value for our members and best value for the industry yeah um, yeah I I, I I may be the president but I have a fantastic board which is sure. you know works really hard um, with our with our various committees to really uh, support and uh, the fire service and support the industry in general, our, our government affairs committee, or GAC, is one of the most active ones, visibly active ones. But a lot of our other committees uh, are doing a lot of great things behind the scenes, uh, trying to you know get that information out there. But, you know, it is essential that, you know, you keep fresh people, fresh ideas coming to the board. Um, one of the things that you know we've been blessed with is is you know, having people who are interested in joining the board and and, and joining our committees and, and taking an active part. And that's one of the things that we encourage and you know we're we're constantly talking about in our in our annual meeting in our different times that we get together is the importance of new ideas and trying to you know make sure we're um, we're encouraging that. And the, yeah. the the industry is trending younger um it's 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 taking time i you know i'm i'm you know getting to that age where I'm, I'm more of a dinosaur than a young buck anymore um but uh you know i that's one of the reasons why i make sure i i listen to all the things i do i listen to because i i take great pride in um Surrounding myself with people who are smarter than I am, no, oh, I'm the same. Really, way. all that hard, which isn't really that hard to do sometimes.
0: Well, but, that's what I um, say. I mean, I get to talk to guys like you, man. You come on, you kidding me? Like I'm just a fly on the wall here, listening to just great information given.
1: I love so it. So I, 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 I work hard to make sure that you know I'm listening to what you know the diversity of opinion out there. I don't pretend to know everything. Yeah. um but my job is once we have the debate to digest it, to get consensus, and then, and then move the, the, the organization forward. Uh, and that—that's not just at that's you know with fire and safety too, and sure. with everything I'm involved in. So, I try my best to, to keep the diversity of views out there. Um, you know, I—I I, I, to uh, say that I've never changed my mind on an issue would would be silly because you know everything everything changes, the world changes and it sure. ops And so it's, uh, it's something you have to be cognizant of. And that's something that we definitely are cognizant of. We're with FEMSA, FEMSA right now, we used to have what we called caucuses where you were assigned the segment, the group that you were, um, going to be a sub member of, like for me, a dealer distributor. Right. Uh, okay. We're, we're, we're doing it so that you can have the option of what group you want to be in. So if you're a dealer distributor uh, of you know PPE equipment, you can sit in on the PPE group, as well as you know if you bring someone else, someone else from your organization can sit on the dealer distributor group. It's gonna be, it's more open to uh, the people's interests rather than us telling you what what group you're going to be in.
0: Yeah. No. And I, I think that's, that's kind of what I wanted to get. So this, just give me the breakdown who, who would join this organization? Cause I'm sure there's going to be people listening, going like, well, who, who what, what benefits, who who would be a part of this group? Who's part of FEMSA?
1: Anyone in North America um, who uh, has a uh, base operations in North America can be a member. Uh, if you serve the fire and emergency industries that goes from anywhere from dealer distributors like myself to, uh, the manufacturers of, uh, PPE to, uh, the guys who supply the materials to the manufacturers of PPE <coughs> to, to water flow people. IDEX is a member Waterus is a member. Um, you know, to, we have people who specialize in fire insurance for the fire industry. Yeah. They're members. We have, uh, the the multimedia a- entities, uh, social media groups, uh, uh-huh. you know, Clarion and and Praetorian and right. you know all those all those groups. Um, I'm gonna you know get yelled at because I'm leaving people out. No, I, I, know, no, but pretty, pretty, pretty it. much we're we, we're we're a huge tent. Whereas FEMA is the fire apparatus manufacturers and the subcomponent manufacturers right. like the Bostroms, the Wateris, the mm-hmm. Hells, uh, the Harrisons. You can join FEMA and join FEMSA, but not everyone – everyone in FEMA can join FEMSA, but not everyone in FEMSA can join FEMA.
0: Yeah, right. I got it. So what I look at then is the collaboration efforts and the ability to network and to meet people uh, within these groups. And I I think what's important too, and it should be said, that this is a very active group, right, Dave? I mean, you guys are consistently – meeting, working together, um, and, and doing something that's better for all of us, the firefighters, right? I mean, this is an active group. So if you do become a part of it, you become part of that, the activity that is bettering our fire service.
1: Yes, uh, we, the board meets monthly, uh, if not more often, depending on what's going on. And, and we, we're trying to get the individual members involved in these subgroups. Uh, and, you know, they meet regularly. And, you know, we, we definitely strive to, to make sure and get our message out there through the, our social media platforms uh, about what we can do to help not just the fire industry, but the fire service.
0: Got it. Where do you find time to do all this? It's just curious on top of everything else that you do.
1: Uh, I don't sleep
0: much. <laughs> Me neither, man. The sleep is becoming uh, sought after more and more. I think it's, uh, but I'll tell you, this is the grind, right? I mean, you know, for you to, for you to take on the dealership, right? From from your father, you take it on now. And the growth that you've had over the years, the explosion of custom fire apparatus builds, especially in the New Jersey market, which is, you know, metro New York area. I mean, New Jersey is just bustling, population overflowing, you know, and so on. And and a lot of fire departments there, too. And, you know, and just the explosion of that and then working and understanding the value of groups and being involved, actively involved in different groups. um, It's what fuels you, no? I mean, don't you need this, don't you?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, this this has been a part of my life since yeah. I was a little kid. So, um, you know, when I joined the the Matuchin Fire Department, there were a lot of guys who, you know, told me I I couldn't call him Mister anymore. But uh, it took about ten years before I stopped calling some of them, you know, Mister Wallace. Or I
0: still do that,
1: Mister Getty or or, yeah. or whomever, because I that's how I, I I knew them. And even when I started working at Fire and Safety. There were people here who knew me from the time I was 12 who I still can't call them by their first name.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, well, it just shows a level of respect. And, and you know, I knowing you and knowing your humility and how humble you are, that brings me up to my next point, you know, is, is that I know you do a lot for so many. And I know that there are certain organizations that are important to you. Um, I know the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation is important to you, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Talk about that relationship a little bit and, and why that strikes you as a, a philanthropic, uh, you know, group that you work with.
1: Uh, unfortunately, um, we all know someone who who didn't make it home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I know uh, a lot of people who are on the, their wall uh, down at uh, uh, in Maryland. Yeah. And uh, it, to me, that that message can never be underestimated. Uh, the National Fallen Firefighter Foundation was only created in 1992 uh, by a federal uh, acts, but it's never been funded by the federal government. Um, the Fire Academy has been funded, but the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation has always been uh, a donation-driven organization. And, I did not know that. And they, uh, they, they do wonderful work. Uh, They're support system uh, for the families, uh, for the survivors. Yeah. They, they do scholarship programs. Um, and, uh, there, there, I got to know them when they started working, uh, with Pierce on a couple, uh, they did a couple motorcycles and a pickup over the years that were, you know, sponsorship, uh, you know, Harley uh, Pierce, uh, National Farm Fallen Firefighters Foundation, I always knew them at Wildwood because they always had the, the one or two ladies inside the door yes. raising money right uh, at Wildwood. Um, but I never got, I never really knew the national organization out of Maryland. And uh, through the, through that relationship with Pierce, I got to know them and, uh, and through uh, FEMSA, I got to know them really well and uh, we do whatever we can to support them. Uh, and, you know, to the you know it, as I told them, if there's an event in our area and they need they need a sponsor, they, they already know they have one
0: yeah, that's powerful I mean I, I think that's what's what really stands out to me is I've seen a lot of different groups and organizations you work with you and I've had a lot of conversations about supporting the network that supports us, um, and I just know that that's important to you, and i I think that that just comes from your foundation and your roots and your ability to do that. Um, And it it just means the world. And I think we need to do better at getting the message out there about groups like the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation and the fact that they how they are funded and and what we could do to better fund them, because they certainly do take care of our own and they take care of the families. I've heard nothing but unbelievable stories of selflessness from them, from the organization and how they handle families during the weekend. I think uh, I forget uh, what's it October. Is it that they, they... just
1: moved? They, it used to be October. Okay. But they they just moved it, and they're going to be May. I think this year is like May eighth.
0: Okay. I've never and, I, and, I, and mm-hmm. I've never been. I haven't I'm either. Planning
1: on be there, I'm planning to be there this year. Are you I going? If the, if the schedule's going to work out. Yeah. That's my goal. Um, and the, a lot of people who who work there are are survivor families. Yes. Um, and that's you know, what I've heard. You, yeah. You you've met Kathy. Mm-hmm. Um, she lost her son um and she was she worked there as a you know as an administrative assistant uh kind of running around doing everything for for a long time and now she still volunteers on weekends and stuff to to help you know with the families that are coming in to to recognize their losses uh and unfortunately in new jersey i mean in this year last two years we've had an extraordinary number of of we have yes and now that they're including covid uh, As line of duty, there's going to be a lot more names that are are thrown up, put up on the wall.
0: Right. Well, I have to say, I I need a favor of you, and don't let me forget, but after we get off the air, I need you to put me in touch and make a connection for me there, because I'd love to get them on the podcast with me. Um, and talk about what their organization does and, and and so on. I think it's a it's a good way for us to at least get the message out there to our community, um, and I would really appreciate, David, if you could make that connection for me. It would be awesome. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do because I know Ron Cernicki, their, their head is, is stepping down. I don't okay. know if they've uh, named a replacement, but I'll definitely see what I can do to, to put you in contact with the right people.
0: That would be great. I appreciate that. So what else? What's next for fire and safety? I mean, we didn't even... You know what's funny? In the conversation we've had so far, we didn't even really talk that much about fire apparatus, <laughs> which is fine because I love getting the story about you too. And and I think that's what's important. And I think that's what drives me to you in our friendship and why I enjoy talking with you is because you are... Uh, I mean, you, you are involved in so much and you give so much back and I, I just, I, I value that and, uh, and so on, but what's next for you? What's next for fire and safety? What's next for the fire apparatus industry? What are you seeing? Give me a couple, give me a couple juicy tidbits.
1: Well, the fire apparatus industry is, uh, is going to continue to change. Um, you know, we are still bound by EPA regulations. So, um, you know, you, what you're seeing in California now with the carb regulations, you'll be seeing on a national level in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, the carb restrictions that uh, you're seeing the over the road truck market uh, have to deal with now um, will be the, in the fire industry in four, three, four years now uh, in thirty you're going to see even more strict restrictions. So you're, you're the, the electric fire trucks are coming. Um, yeah. Whether we think it's a good idea or a bad idea, um, they're, they're going to be coming because the EPA is going to force it. Well, they're uh, pushing. They're in, pushing in, in the that industry. direction. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be, that's going to be a hard part for New Jersey to, to swallow because our infrastructure uh, is not set up for that right. kind of draw. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be a, a, a big bite for municipalities to have to absorb is especially in, in some of the older cities up in Bergen or Hudson or, or wow. six counties, um, to to upgrade the the, the old firehouses. Uh, I'm telling I'm telling everybody who I know is talking to a new firehouse, you know, budget half a million dollars for for to have the infrastructure there. So when you do wind up getting your electric fire truck, you're not having to retrofit it. Um, you gotta be proactive and think about it.
0: I wonder. I wonder if that's gonna be one of those, one of the catalysts to to push for more regionalization and and more um you know uh, cooperatives than than we have now.
1: I think ultimately it may do that. Yeah, um, the home rule is is a strong thing in New Jersey. And yeah, it's starting. No one to- wants to. No one wants to give up that control unless you know there's there's incentives there. And uh, you know, I you, you're seeing it more and more. Yes. Strictly because uh, you're not having the manpower, but uh, delivery not, of service. It, it you're not. It, <laughs> you're going to see more municipalities seeking it out because of the cost of operating.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think so, and I think that's part of the strong arm of of making some changes here, and sometimes. You know, and to the detriment of the fire service, you know, sometimes we get too stuck in our, in, in steeped in what we know and, and not what's available to us. And sometimes we need somebody to kick us in the ass and put us in a trajectory to make some change. And uh, whereas I would love to institute change on our own terms, it's sometimes uh, our people just don't want to do that and we have to be told and uh i'm just curious as it comes down and i don't, i'm not overly familiar i'll be honest with you i'm not overly familiar with all the uh the epa standards you're talking about and what's coming but i do know that you know <laughs> i mean you got to be living under a rock to know that electric vehicles and and in to know that you know we are trending that way for everything
1: yeah the uh the restrictions the the car restrictions you're you're looking at bigger and bigger uh, df systems uh, after treatment systems mm-hmm. that are, you know, making it uh, more, it, it's going, it, it's going to be harder and harder to be operating diesel engines as these regulations keep moving on. Um, but the infrastructure isn't there, uh, and that's right. a, that's what's hamstringing a lot of the over the road truck market. Is, uh, uh, you know, it, nationally there's there's not enough charging stations, there's not enough uh, things in the middle, so it's it's going to be a push pull thing. One thing I will t- say is there's a lot of grants out there. So if you're looking to upgrade your electrical, there's grants out there for it because that's the government really wants you to do it. So you know, look look under every rock or have your community look under every rock for for the grants that will help you uh, implement the infrastructure thing. Um, you know, with lead times as they are, we're seeing people, you know, looking for short term fixes. Uh, you know, trying to to manage. Uh, Keeping trucks in, in in play for a year or two longer than they were expecting. Yeah, uh, we don't see necessarily um, those not those lead times changing dramatically over the next year or so. Right. We we expect them to come in a little bit, or I expect them to come in a little bit. I don't have a crystal ball, but you mean
0: rein it in a little bit? They're going to get a little bit better.
1: <laughs> uh, you're you're seeing some easing of uh, uh price increases from suppliers you're right. see, seeing some easing of um delivery delay issues um i'm not saying we're we're to use a term that's overused these days we're flattening the curve a little bit um <laughs> yeah uh, on some of those things so you know i think i don't think we're going to see big jumps out unless there's a, a a you know a black swan event that we're, we're we can't even predict right now yeah but i think we're seeing um adjustments to the the new normal and I think you're seeing uh manufacturers adjust their counts so that they have more on hand. They're no longer just in time, but they're just in time plus two or just in time plus ten, yeah, whatever it exactly. To be. Mm-hmm. So I think we're seeing the market adjust and I think we'll probably see it come in, you know, a few months uh over the course of the year. But I don't see us being Back to nine months for a pumper and 12 months for an aerial anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I don't, yeah, it hasn't been that in quite a long time. Um, So, lastly, then, the market it's a crazy time. You got, you got uh, fire departments have to plan longer range than they used to. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a market where they have to get funding in place for a project three years out. You got to look at other opportunities. I know we were talking about the secondary and third market where you might be looking at used apparatus or even uh, projects that like Pierce offers with a more streamlined approach to your purchase, which might allow for a quicker delivery, right? I mean, yep. those, there's, there's options out there, but you have to educate yourself and work with your dealer to truly understand the potential of what they can do for you
1: yes and you know there's there's a big difference between having someone say um, yeah i can get you a truck truck in 6 months no if it's because they are bought a slot in production right and that they may not be able to do all the changes that you want to do or if it's because there's a program their organization has that has pre-engineered many of the harder items to pre-engineer uh engine transmission hookups well uh, water pump setups um hatch compartment designs things that allow you to uh not have to spend three or four months detail engineering right things to right. analyze to make sure everything works because they've already developed these cons. these aren't like limited option concept trucks these are trucks that have wide variety of options even some of the cutting edge options but they have um, as long as you stay within a certain you know program each manufacturer styles it differently you can get a truck that you can actually shorten the lead time by a a handful of months yeah Um, or you know talk to if you're dealing with a, a used truck broker or uh, your sales rep deals with a used truck broker. Talk to them now. Can you do something like get a loaner if you give up your fire truck earlier? And will they give you a like a, a, a loaner and you know pay you know get, allow you to take the discount uh, off the truck? I mean, unfortunately, we've seen the entire market go up quite significantly in price on fire trucks yeah. from you know the last you know two years or so. Uh, and, but that was
0: inevitable because they're, it's a three. Year, you're three years out, right? I well, mean, the, and, and, and that's really
1: that. That really was a big, big cause of it. It yeah. wasn't just. It wasn't just the supply. You know, oh, we're getting twenty five percent increases from our vendors. A lot of it is. You know, once they were, you know, every manufacturer has a certain number of slots that they're set to build. Every manufacturer is different based on their capacities and their manpower and all that. But the things that they can't forecast is what their healthcare, what That's their right. wages, what, 100%. Their, what, what their overhead expenses are going to be in 2023, 2024, 2025. So as they were hitting those kind of those milestones, they were having to make hard decisions yeah. about whether they were going to pass it along to the customer or whether they were going to try and absorb it, hoping things were going to come in. You saw some manufacturers were very proactive and say we hate. Hitting you with price increases every six months, but that's the way you know the the way the numbers are coming in, and some of it is, you know, material costs. Some of it is the fact that we went from building projections twenty twenty three to twenty twenty four. So we're, you know, so they were forced to, just like I would have been forced to if you know I were.
0: It's a business. You're running the business. business. How the hell do you plan and schedule three years out, especially when it comes to cost? When you don't know what the rising cost will be on healthcare and everything else. I mean, right. and that's the one thing that I, I find interesting. I mean, for me, I come from, you know, uh, I I come from a business background. I mean, that's that's what I do. I'm not a full time fireman, so I live in the business world. I understand that, but a lot of firefighters don't understand that. They don't they don't understand what gets thrown into the cost of that build of a fire truck. And you know, we it's just it's an interesting conversation, but I'm curious where it trends i think most manufacturers have now put themselves in a position um that things are going to stabilize i think for them i think the costs will stabilize i think deliveries will start stabilizing i think you're 100 right um with all of that but it's just it's i gotta believe that it's probably one of the more interesting times you've seen in the truck market
1: uh it is the most unique time <laughs> i've ever experienced in this and 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 my hair is getting shorter. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I believe it. I believe it because things were constantly changing. And and I have to think too. The beginning there was such an unknown. And for any business owner or operator, the unknown is the worst thing in the world. Right? We like we, to we like to plan and we like to schedule based on numbers and fact.
1: We we are creatures of habit. Yeah, and, and uh, the inability to to accurately or or comfortably forecast. What the next three months, let yes. alone the next eight months, are going to be like is is uh, it's ulcer inducing.
0: Yeah, I bet it is. That's why we got to take vacations and recharge. <laughs> Which um, you and I were talking about. Um, yep, yep. That's funny. Let me ask you this then too. I mean, at your location in South Plainfield, I've been there a hundred times. You guys are busting at the seams, man. I mean, and this yep. is this is your uh, the repair side. I mean, you guys do full. Truck repair too there right and and so along with the services you offer I have to think that as lead times get pushed out on new apparatus you're looking at more preventative maintenance more breakdown maintenance right so that's got to be taxing then too to fire departments which then tax your abilities to perform those duties quickly.
1: Yeah, we're we're blessed to have an uh, uh, unbelievable uh, service technician group and yeah. service department. Uh, we have, I think, twenty five five 26 technicians uh, throughout the state or in our shop you know half of them are on the road half of them are, are in their, in our shop and uh, you know they they've been they're bending over backwards my parts department has done a fantastic job finding parts um, sometimes it's not easy uh, sometimes the lead times to we're shocked at uh, to get things that to keep these trucks in service but we are being asked you know trucks that weren't expected to be in service another two years we're now having to. Yeah, nurse them along. Yeah, and and Sean downstairs, and, and John Thompson <laughs> in our service office. Uh, they might not always do it with a smile, but they're you know they're you know, and they might do it with a sarcastic uh, uh, feedback to me about. Uh,
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be any other way, Dave. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> about how things
0: go, but I love
1: that. They uh, they 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 uh, I gotta say those guys care more. Uh, they. They care about each and every fire truck that comes in here and they want to make sure it goes out so that it serves the people the right way. You know, as we always say, it's, you know, we treat every treat every truck like it's responding to our homes because it's responding to someone's home.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's a great way to start to wrap this is that, you know, the, the guys that are working on behalf of fire and safety and providing the opportunities and repairs and new sales for fire departments and so on, they, they really feed off of you because you're the you're the leader of the ship and, uh, you know, the captain of the ship, if you will. And that is, I know how you feel and how passionate you are about what you guys do and how important that is. And I, I see that every day, and that's why I truly value you as a friend and a mentor, if you will, because I, I just, I see firsthand. I've been a part of many different dealings with you, and it's always been about the betterment of the job and bettering Firefighters, fire departments, and, and ultimately the fire service. And so for that, I am grateful and I'm grateful to call you a friend, Dave. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I truly it was, appreciate it. It
1: was my honor. It, was, it would, you know, any, anytime we, we can sit down and talk. I, I love it.
0: it. Yeah, I, I do. I cherish it a lot. You and I actually had an opportunity back in September to sit down for about an hour and, and uh, you know, maybe share a cold one and just kind of catch up on some things. And I, I really enjoy my time with you because I value your opinion because you do have this just uh, unwavering love for the fire service and, and providing for it. And I think that that's just a testament to who you are, how you were raised and what it's all about is giving back to this job. And you just you do that all the time. And uh, and uh, so anyway, thank you, man. Thank you. I don't want to gush anymore. Uh, we got to we got to wrap this up. It's getting weird now, but I just I, <laughs> I appreciate you, brother, truly. And it's been a real honor to have you on today, too. It was a long time coming. And uh, thank you for all the continued support, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate it. And you know, the fire service is, is what makes all of us you know, who we are. So that's why it means so much.
0: Yeah, for a hundred percent, couldn't agree with you more, Dave. Thank you for joining me. Where can people find you uh, if they want to reach out? If they have any questions for you, any comments, thoughts?
1: Uh, they can uh, you know they social can media to, like uh, we're we're on all the platforms. Yeah. Uh, we have TikTok. Uh, we don't do we don't tweet. <laughs> uh, we TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, you know, www.f-ss.com is our, our, our webpage. Excellent. Uh, there's a contact us through that, uh, or they can, uh, email, uh, I'll give the generic one sales at f-ss.com. Cool. Uh, cause that goes to myself and a bunch of other people. So, yeah, so, well, so be, so be polite. Cause there's, you know,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> And we'll put the links in the uh in the narrative of the podcast, but Dave, uh Dave Russell from Fire and Safety Services out of South Plainfield, New Jersey. They are the Pierce manufacturer, dealer and distributor in New Jersey. Dave, thank you for joining me today, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Thank Don't you. go anywhere. Stay right here. I'm going to sign off and then I'll come right back to you, okay? Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast today. Dave Russell, a friend, a mentor, somebody that I look up to and bounce things off of all the time. He puts up with my crap, and I appreciate him for that. Thanks for tuning in. Take the conversation you heard today. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. If you got any comments, questions, or thoughts about this episode or any other podcast that you hear, you can email us at podcast at nationalfireradio.com, and we'll take that in, we'll read it, we'll look at it, and we'll bring it back out onto the air and revisit any comments or questions that you might have. So podcast at nationalfireradio.com is your direct line to the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Ring.